Welcome to the Astroholic Explains, exploring the universe one question at a time with Dr. Alfredo and Chris Carpinetti. All right, uh, welcome back to a new episode of the Astroholic Explains. I am going to be conflicted about this episode. Okay. Because it's a subject that I think boggles my mind is uh, an extreme understatement. Okay. So we've received an anonymous question mm -hmm. asking, how big is the universe? Ooh. And you know what this does to me. Yes. That's a very good uh, question. Uh, I can only talk about uh, the visible universe, uh, mostly because that's where I'm competent about. Uh, so the furthest uh, light we can the light uh, the furthest object that we can see is uh, um, has been traveling for thirteen point eight billion years, and uh, the universe is expanding. So that same object uh, would now, after the universe have expanded for thirteen or so billion years, uh, be forty seven billion light years away. Have I broken you already? It begins. Well, so with that assumption, side to side, uh, the visible universe, so what we can study is uh, 94 billion light years across. Okay. Yeah, okay. That. That's fine. But uh, there is a lot more to discuss, and there is so much more that we also need to understand about the property of the universe at this large scale. So let's talk to a cosmologist. All right. Let's do it. Well, welcome to the show, Professor Peter Coles. Hello, how are you? Very good, awesome. Peter. How are you? Good, good. A nice break from exam marking. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. So thank you for taking the time. And can you tell us a bit about yourself? So I'm a cosmologist. Um, Man and boy, uh, I've been uh, uh, working in cosmology for almost 40 years. Um, it feels like longer. And, <laughs> uh, I work at Maynooth University in Ireland. And uh, previous to that, I worked in the UK and various places, Nottingham, Sussex and, uh, and Cardiff. And uh, my main interest is in the large scale structure of the universe, which I guess is what you want to talk about. Perfect. Absolutely perfect for the the questions that we have at hand. So I will dive in with, do we know how big the universe really is? And like, is there a way to find out? So there's a very short answer to that question, which is uh, the first part of the question anyway, which is, no, we don't. <laughs> no. We don't know how big the universe really is. Um, we know that the part that we can see is finite because if the universe began a finite time in the past, which mm -hmm. is our standard model, then the distance light can have traveled uh, since the origin is finite. And therefore we can't have received any, we can't receive any light further that started out further away than that. Mm -hmm. So the part of the universe that we can actually see or hope to see is definitely finite. And 
it has a size which is basically determined by the expansion rate of the universe and how old it is, um, as Alfredo explained uh, before. Now, the problem is that we really don't know how big the universe is. We know it's at least as big as that, if we can see that far. But we don't know whether it's even finite or infinite. The universe could be infinitely large. And the, the simplest models we have basically assume that it that's what it is. It goes on forever. Um, but the part of it that we can see gradually gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Our, our horizon grows, but the universe is most of it, most of that infinity is unknowable to us um, until we become infinitely old and light can have traveled an infinite distance. And of course, that won't happen because we'll all be retired. <laughs> Are you really sure that we're going to be retired? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, people, sometimes ask, people sometimes tell me that, uh, are you worried that the Andromeda galaxy is going to collide with the Milky Way in a few billion years? And I say, no, I'll be retired by then. It's not going to affect me. But so, but there's another question, I think, beyond that, that question about whether um, it's finite or not. The question is that beyond our horizon, by which I mean the limits of what we can actually see currently or hope mm -hmm. to see currently, is what it's like beyond those limits. Is it the same going on forever pretty much as we have now? You know, Are we living in a representative part of the universe or is there something special or different? Is the universe kind of on large scales kind of homogeneous like you know, our, our patch of the universe is, or is it um, grossly different in different regions? Could be little domains, little bubbles all over the place, some highly curved, some almost flat, some with very different properties from ours, different laws of physics even in the different domains. And that's possible. We just don't know. We there are theories that suggest possibilities about those things, but we can't observe those different parts of the universe. And so we can't say that we know what they're like. The simplest argument mm -hmm. is that, you know, it's kind of like this bit. There's nothing actually dramatically mm -hmm. different, but we just don't know whether that's true or not. Okay, that is uh, actually, how are you doing about um, this I... infinity and everything? I've said several times to you, I can't wrap my head around an infinite universe because I just I because I find it incomprehensible it's just I can't visualize that something can to our physical knowledge go on forever but then that begs the question if it isn't if there's an edge is it in something and if it's in something what's that in etc 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 with the, I think, with the idea that uh, the the other patches of the universe, let's assume that the universe is finite, uh, and there are other patches. Uh, Peter, please do correct me or do intervene. That would mean that uh, these, uh, like, an edge uh, would be something uh, that, uh, like, there could be a universe that would actually say, oh yes, um, there's, I don't know. 47 billion uh, light years on one side and one on this side. That is the edge. That's where the universe ends. Do you think that would be something that is possible? So 
the, the way I think about this is, mm -hmm. is not, I can't imagine infinity either. Nobody can, you know, we we only have little monkey brains and those are finite. <laughs> so infinity is just a funny symbol. We write in equations when we don't understand what's going on, right? right? So, <laughs> and in fact, the mathematician uh, Hilbert, who did quite a lot of things, interesting things with mathematical concept of infinity, he actually said that he didn't think there were realized infinities in nature. There are no infinities in nature. And um, my friend and former collaborator, um, George Ellis, was very, as a very eminent cosmologist, is a, a very strongly of the view that there's, no, there's nothing infinite in nature, including the universe. And of course, the flip side of that is there's no such thing as zero in the universe, right? As the universe is, you can have what we call empty space, but it's not nothing. Yeah. Okay? yeah. It's full of quantum fields, you know, there's, there's no th such thing as nothing. And this colors my view of what this discussion about um, what's going on behind, if the universe is finite, what is beyond it? I would say that actually if the universe is finite, the universe is finite, big deal what is beyond the universe the if the universe is defined to be everything that exists all these quantum fields and whatever that, that make up the universe and space time and all of that gravitational fields whatever exists outside the universe is nothing yeah, yeah I, I follow that yeah. everything that exists is the universe and it doesn't seem to me a problem for that to be finite it's just that we tend to think of, you know, the analogy that you have in books about cosmology is that, oh, it's finite, it's, clo it's closed like the surface of a football or something like that, like the surface of a sphere. But we, when we see a sphere, we always think of a sphere, a two-dimensional surface of a sphere embedded in our three-dimensional space that we live in. So it lives in this space. But a universe which is finite doesn't live in anything. That's just what it is. It has the mathematical properties that it's finite, but it's... It's not embedded in some other thing because that would be part of the universe, right? The other thing would be universe, not nothing. So if it was embedded in an infinite thing, the universe would be infinite because that would have to include the thing that it was embedded in. Um, so we could live in little yeah. bubbles. I mean, little bubbles, I mean, 90 billion light years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, universe-sized bubbles. Finite-sized. Finite-sized. Yeah, because uh, everything is small compared to infinity. You see, so you can call them little bubbles. But if they're like that, then there's something between them, and that is that something is not nothing. It's uh, it's the universe, but it's just the universe is a more complicated thing than just an isolated thing that exists on its own. So now that idea, can, you know, what happens beyond the scale of our observable bubble or patch or whatever you want to call it. Nobody knows, and there are lots of theories that you know we do live in a much more a much bigger universe with more dimensions than our space, our four-dimensional space-time has. It might be dis, um, distributed in lots of um, you know multiply connected, complicated regions or so on, but we can't see those. So it's not really possible to say it becomes metaphysics at that point. It's fun to think about those things, and you know you can. You can speculate about these things and you can speculate that there are different bubbles of the universe where the laws of physics are different, where there are different kinds of people and, uh, you know, life and 
all kinds of things that are, uh, you know, laws of physics might be fundamentally different, but we can't observe them directly. Uh, so it's, is that really physics talk, is talking about those things or is it uh, just speculation? Now, there are some ideas that if we, you know, if there are different bubbles floating around in a, a kind of bulk thing, then those bubbles could collide or could have collided in the early universe. And there's been some speculative attempts to to say that uh, that, that you might see an evidence in the early universe of, of the collisions of two uh, bubbles. There have been some papers on that. That's um, They're very... I mean, I'm skeptical about that, but it's, it's an interesting <laughs> idea. And of course, then the other question about whether the universe is infinite or not is 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 it infinite in duration as well as in space? You know, if you take a, a, a at a given time, what's it look like uh, as you travel around in space? But what is its uh, future extent? Our simple model at the moment is that the universe will be infinite in the future. So it's finite in the past, but infinite in the future. We don't know that that's true either. And we're not prepared. You don't get funding for another 100 billion years to uh, look and see what happens in the future. So we don't. We actually don't know whether the universe will be finite in the future. So it, it does seem a little bit odd, actually, if you think about it. It's universe might be infinite in space, but it's semi-infinite in time because it's finite in the past and it might be infinite in the future. So that seems a little bit strange. There are theories where actually what we call the origin of the universe is actually not an origin in time. It may be a cyclic universe where there's been, it's actually mm -hmm. infinite, but there's an event which causes a, um, a creation, a Big Bang event, and it's that, but there was a previous phase before that that the universe. Roger Penrose has an interesting idea about that. Again, very speculative, but interesting. And the universe could be actually something like, a, you know, an infinitely large sea of bubbles, each bubble being a Big Bang, each of those being finite, but beyond that, it's infinite, and each of them maybe lasting for a while, and then the bubble pops and comes to an end, and then. There's some other bubbles elsewhere. That's all. You know, you can take your pick whether you think that's physics or not, because it's it's not observable. And but they're all rooted in sensible physical ideas, though those those models, given what we know, hmm. which is it's very little. Very absolutely little. fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. I'm probably gonna be awake now just thinking of new theories. <laughs> okay. I have one last uh, speculative question about uh, this. Again, I will uh, challenge you on the finite uh, universe. Uh, and as always, correct me if I'm wrong. So for a long time, one of the questions that I often uh, are asked is, uh, oh, is there a center of the universe? And uh, my usual uh, go-to reply is like, no, because uh, the Big Bang happened everywhere, like uh, the universe then expanded, etc. So uh, there is not a place that is special. But if the universe is finite, uh, even if it's very big for our standards, uh, shouldn't we be able to find a place that it is at the center of it all? 
Well, not not necessarily. I mean, just mm -hmm. go back to this not very good analogy of the surface of a, a sphere. Yeah. I mean, you have to go down a dimension because you can't think of infinite things going on and curved things in three dimensions. But yep. if you think about the surface of a sphere, if that's all there is, the surface of a sphere, it doesn't have a center. The Ooh, center of the yeah. sphere is outside of that space, right? It's not a real thing. So if now wow. you think it, it, so of course, going back to what I said before, you'd think of a football as being embedded in a three-dimensional space and the center's in that three-dimensional space. But if you, if all there is is the two-dimensional space, it doesn't have a center. Every point on that surface is equivalent. You know, if if the whole universe is two-dimensional and curved around like a sphere, you can't leave it and go and find the center. That's all you have, and everywhere looks the same. So there isn't really a center of the, isn't necessarily a center of the universe. But it, as I said before, if the universe is finite but very big, it may well be different in different places within that finite universe. And there may be places that are different from us. And, and so we may be in a special place in the sense that the laws of physics conspire to make life possible mm -hmm. in the part that we are. I mean, we know that's true to some extent, even in our own galaxy, right? We live in a, a special place because it's a particular kind of planet where a particular kind of life form. We don't know how common those things are, but we're special in a limited sense. But, the, you know, in a, in a physics sense, it's a nondescript star in a nondescript galaxy with a little bit of rock going around it. There's nothing essentially different about our solar system from a physical point of view from anywhere else. It's just that it has this, 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 these properties that have allowed bi biology to develop on it in a complicated way. But I think, you know, if you go back to the question about, um, is there a center, the Big Bang is happening, happened everywhere, then the, the way I usually put it is a little bit more democratic than that is that, uh, it's not that there isn't a center of the universe. It's that everywhere is the center of the universe because everywhere is expanding from everyone else. So everyone can think of themselves as being at the center of the universe. And quite a lot of people, in my experience, do think that way about themselves <laughs> generally, not just about cosmology. We don't know whether actually whether our universe is, is kind of in a homogeneous uh, in the sense that on average everywhere in it is the same or whether it's grossly different. As far as we know from our own patch that we can observe, the evidence from looking at distant galaxies and redshift surveys and all that kind of stuff is that it it basically has got no really huge structures in it beyond a certain scale. And it's like a, a patterned carpet, you know, where you see a, on nearby, you see a little pattern on it. And then, but if you go to larger scales, the pattern kind of starts to repeat and it starts to look boring after a while. I'm not saying our universe is necessarily boring, but um, it does seem to have no immensely large structures as large as the volumes that we can survey. And that suggests to me that it's kind of, uh, at least on the scales we can observe, we are in a representative patch in some sense that uh, uh, beyond our horizon, it might be different, but within our horizon, it seems to be a fairly simple structure 
And that's, I think that's the way cosmologists tend to think about it because it's the simpler, it's Occam's razor, right? You choose mm-hmm. the simplest model that fits. When you've had a few drinks at night, you can think about uh, uh, weird universes where all kinds of things happen outside the horizon, and that's fine to think about those. But the, when you're actually working on predicting what you observe in Euclid, for example, you take a model which is the simplest and which has the fewest assumptions and which accounts for the data, and that's the model that we're working on. We're trying to test with Euclid as it just come out of a Euclid telecon. So, um, uh, for the benefit of our listener, can you tell us a little bit about Euclid? Yeah, so Euclid has been it's a, a satellite experiment. It's launched by the European Space Agency and it will be launched in July, the first half of July. That's all we can say at the moment. Basically a telescope with a very fancy camera on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, in it, but it works in a very different way from JWST as an observatory. So what people do is they bid for time. I want to look at this object or this kind of object. And I want to look at this one. And there's, and there's a competition and it can look at, you name it, it can look at it. Exoplanets, galaxies, galaxy clusters, gravitational lenses, planet, solar system structures, nearby stars, Orion, Nebula, anything you want to look at, you can look at with JWST. Euclid is very different because it's not directed like that. It's It will do a survey of a, a chunk of the sky, about a quarter of the sky, systematically. You won't yeah. get people barging in and say, hey, look over there. It's actually going to do a, a scanning strategy over a big chunk of the sky, and it's going to make exquisitely detailed images of the very distant galaxies in that, in, in that region of the sky. Look for the distortion of light from those galaxies and the and the redshifts of the galaxies, in other words, it's a measurement of the distance of the galaxies, and make a map of the three-dimensional distribution of galaxies, and through the effect, the deflection of light uh, of the dark matter, and the expansion rate. So it's going to try to do a kind of census of all of the energy contents in the universe out to a redshift of two or bigger than that, so that's when the universe is expanded by corresponding factor of three, uh, then it doesn't go, it's not going to look at really, really, really distant objects like JWST does. That's not what it's for. It's meant to look at a huge number of reasonably distant things by cosmological standards and, and therefore make a map. And we're hoping to understand a little bit better how the dark matter around galaxies is clustered and how the expansion rate of the universe has changed over the time that we can observe back to that redshift. And to do that, it's going to be launched in July. And it's also, it's then going to take many years to do its survey. Mm-hmm. So it, unfortunately, it won't be like JWST, where every other week there's a beautiful image of some fancy thing going on. It's actually going to be painstaking survey work rather than um, images of beautiful things and spectroscopy of individual objects. It's a it's a, a very different kind of mission. So it's kind of less likely to get headlines until the real results come out at the end. And it will take about six months to, just to validate it and check the cameras working and all that kind of stuff. So it'll be, you know, steady, steady, very kind of um, painstaking work rather than um sort of glamorous images, but it's it's a fascinating mission and it's been a long time coming and it was almost derailed, as you 
you probably know that it was supposed to be launched um, by a Russian spacecraft. Yeah. Um, then the Russians invaded um, Ukraine, and uh, so there was a last-minute change of that, and it's now going to be launched by uh, SpaceX. And the launch date has not yet been announced, but it will be in the first half of July. Awesome. And I think uh, it might be not uh, glamorous images, uh, but I think it will help us uh, better understand our very big patch uh, of the universe, uh, which could be a patch of an infinite or just a very a much larger universe. Thank you very much for your time, Peter. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Till next time.